You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning, welcome to Tuesday's Cork Today. Hopefully you had a lovely and nice bank holiday weekend. And the good news is the sun is to shine for another four days. Saturday we'll see some unsettled conditions and thunderstorms. But the good news is after that, temperatures will rise again next week. Highs of 23 to 24 degrees next week. More sunshine. And for holidaymakers and families who may be looking at going on day trips over the next month, well, the long-range forecast it indicates that we could have only four days of persistent rain for the remainder of June. Now that's coming from AccuWeather who specialise in longer range forecasts but the good news is uh, we'll take that news anyhow that we will have plenty of sunshine and not too much rain over the next uh, number of weeks so we'll uh, we'll take the good news for the weather while we can and a busy weekend hopefully you enjoyed it because a lot on right across Cork and a lot that C103 were involved with on Friday night I was at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry for the West Cork Sports Star Awards that win to Rossman John Hodnett, of course, for winning the try. Uh, that won Munster and ensured they won the URC. And then to Saturday, we had the Ocean to City race along the City Keys and a spectacular amount of boats and people involved in that across the uh, city and indeed our harbour. And while that was on, I was emceeing in City Hall on the C103 stage for the Cork City Marathon Expo. And it was great to meet so many listeners and also the community groups who join us from time to time on the show who were there within City Hall on Saturday. I met Graeme Clifford of the Sanctuary Runners who were based in Formoy but have done so much work now. They're really across the country at this stage and so many more who we spoke with. And then, of course, the marathon itself on Sunday. And well done to all who took part. Maybe you did yourself either the full half or 10k a huge crowds again taking part this year and from there we had the Inishan and Steam and Vintage Rally some uh, great pics I saw on the C103 socials across the weekend and the Ballady Hub Country Music Festival took place as well I did a mock wedding and everything for that in Ballady Hub so if you're here with us in Cork because tourists did flock to our coastline right across the bank holiday weekend enjoying uh, the fantastic amenities we have and, uh, and the beaches we have here in Cork if you are still with us well hopefully you were enjoying your stay and ahead on this morning's show and we'll be hearing how landowners are concerned over the proposed Mallow to Dungarvan Greenway. We did discuss this before. We heard from landowners who uh, were worried because, first of all, they had the walkway which is running adjacent to their homes and they felt at various hours of the night that wasn't safe for them. Others saw the plans and saw how the Greenway was running through their land, running through farmyards. So because of that, many say, well, while they welcome these type of developments, they were not informed. And at this goes ahead, what does it mean for them? Well, a delegation from Cork and Waterford met with council executives and that was led by the IFA chair in North Cork, Pat O'Keefe, who will join us on the show shortly this morning. And also antidepressants prescriptions for under 15s, they're up by 130% since 2012. And while there is a number of factors for this, mental health charity Jigsaw, well, they're concerned given the delays in the child and adult mental health services We'll speak with them this morning on the show. And also, at the cost of living, while that impacts on families, now we have seen over the last year at this stage uh, the mortgage rates from Europe being increased. 
and they continue to be increased and we'll probably see more of them before the year is out. But because of this, some are falling into arrears. So what help is out there? What options are open to families or anybody who finds themselves in this situation? Well, we're going to hear about the open door campaign from Awalia who help people when they do fall into mortgage arrears. And we're also going to hear from a group of friends who are going to climb the highest peaks in Munster all for Special Olympics. And one man who is going to cycle from each mountain range and then climb that mountain. Uh, more about that later in the programme. Uh, plus, we'll be going back to the streets of Charnival. There's going to be a further silent protest later in the month, but we were there over the course of the weekend and we spoke with those who use the town every day and what they feel needs to be done and their feeling following the recent tragedies in Charnival and the high volume of HGVs which passed through the town on a daily basis and have no choice but to go through Charnival. There's no other other route if you are travelling from Cork to Limerick. That's the only way around it. So we'll hear from those who we spoke to across the last few days in the town of Charnival. And indeed, after 12.30, our regular show councillor, Joe Heffernan, will join us and we'll be discussing self-esteem after 12.30 with Joe. Our lines are open and your views are welcome. Bernie taking your calls on 0818 103 103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can email email as well across the show Cork today at c103.ie but news again this morning and it's to do with the NCT and the company that's operating the system well according to the Minister of State for Transport Jack Chambers he says they're failing the NCT service as millions of euro in penalties now is going to be sent to them for the chaos he describes which is in the system Apple is at the company that run the NCT uh, he basically has said Jack Chambers uh, that it's a complete failure and motorists are facing months of delays in getting a test. Now when we speak to some callers on the show uh, many end up ringing either their local NCT centre or the uh, Dublin National Call Centre and they do eventually get an appointment maybe within a week or two so there is ways around it but if you're online looking to get an NCT you can be waiting for a very long time but I know of people who have rung and they've got a cancellation because somebody else has cancelled and they've got that booking so uh, while there is a problem some people do find a way around it but the worrying thing is uh, overall people are facing up to 200 days uh, for an appointment and some into 2024 and he feels that's now unacceptable while Appleists who run this they uh, have intervened and they've said well one of the reasons is over 3,500 people per week are not attending appointments that are booked and then outside of that uh, you have staff they're finding it hard to get staff and mechanics to work within the NCT system Uh, but as this all continues now there's going to be fines and the Minister has written to the Road Safety Authority and Apolis on the penalties because he said at the moment nothing's being paid and he's emphasising these penalties because as it goes on and goes on millions at this point will be paid out from Apolis to to the stage as they continue, as he says, failing uh, the system when it comes to the NCT. Your views are welcome on that. Are you in a situation where you just simply can't get an NCT? Uh, One of the reasons this has been brought to light again is the concerns that when Gardaí are looking into this, they have revealed themselves that drivers could be prosecuted or have their vehicles seized if stopped while driving without an NCT. Uh, But many Gardaí we've spoken to uh, have said once you have your booking, once you you've booked it yourself and you have the letter or the text or the email uh, from the uh, from Apple's the NCT company uh, that you have booked well 
show that to the guards and you should be okay to drive off. Many guardies said that to us, but of course still, you don't have a valid NCT on your car, but many guardies do say if you show that, at least you tried. It's not your fault. You've made the booking. You've done everything you can to get an NCT. Uh, so it's not your fault if you have an invalid search. At least you have your, your booking made and what else can you do if that's the situation? Uh, so your views are welcome on that. Maybe you have had problems or maybe you've simply rung them and got a, a cancellation for someone else and got your NCT. Always mixed views on that. Just as I mentioned Gardaí there, uh, something that has uh, come out today uh, in the Irish Independent and this is how cities outside of Dublin have recorded the highest spike in crime rates compared to pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic levels and they're looking at cities such as Cork, Limerick and Waterford. They've had the highest increases and if you uh, go into that in more detail, uh, the Garda stations with crime rates increases uh, Fermoy has seen a 20% increase and Watergrass Hill has seen a 57% increase in crime in those areas near Nearby Capaquin in Waterford has seen 110%, while nearby Kenmare, a 52% increase in crime rates. And again, if you look at the various reasons behind this, how many Gardaí have we spoken to who say they need further resources? And it goes to show while Dublin has levelled out and maybe gone down in some parts, mainly because a lot of the Gardaí that leave Templemore are sent to Dublin and that greater Dublin area. And you also, in the last while, have seen further new Garda stations open in Dublin compared to Cork. Now, we have had a new Garda station open in Carrick Line and there is some good news uh, in Cork because some Garda stations have witnessed crime levels dropping uh, to a five-year low and they include Cove, Kinsale and Skibbereen. So it's not all bad news, uh, but still the debate continues that Cork needs more Garda and indeed more Garda on the beach because you can see when you put the resources into a city like Dublin, the spike does decrease when Garda are on the beach and can be seen and again something that we hear uh, every few weeks on the show and something also we've discussed many with GAA but it's back now again when it comes to catering and this is Irish Rail and the catering service that people longed for on the Dublin to Cork line well they've come under fire because many people would be paying by cash sometimes it seems you can't now if you're on the train you can only pay for goods off the famous food trolley by cars and the reason for this is that while there were well the tender was out to get the company to go ahead and, and provide catering services for Irish Rail on the Dublin to Cork line uh, Barry Kinney who's the corporate communications manager for Irish Rail he said uh, while they were waiting to get someone the costs were really high from catering providers so one way of reducing the costs was to go cashless and the provider now who they use is called Carriage Food Services and in terms of cash management uh, the management of cash for them, it was cheaper to go cashless and that's why they went with that provider and they felt that was a significant benefit for them and obviously would be passed on to the consumer but for many now they feel it's not fair and actually Age Action are back out again on this and Celine Clark who we've spoken to on this show a number of times regarding that issue of card only, she feels this is a barrier to social inclusion and she says older people who use the train would only use cash and it prevents them from purchasing uh, on the uh, catering trolley on that train from a Dublin to Cork. So your views welcome on that. Maybe you have been on the train and you've had cash and you can't use the cash. It's card only, it seems anyhow, uh, for the trolley service from Dublin to Cork. And while we have the good weather here, 
and we are all enjoying the sunshine as we should. Uh, Ishka Aram, Irish Water, as they were known as, they have issued a further warning not to use paddling pools not to wash your car or indeed water the garden. And this is because we could, in some areas of the country, expect to be in an absolute drought by the end of the week. And it always amazes me for a country that we have a lot of rain over many months of the year, uh, that when we have a week or a week and a bit of sunshine, then we go into drought very, very fast. You'd wonder what we do or how can we store our water, uh, considering the amount of rainfall we have over many months of the year. And because of this, uh, overnight restrictions will be continuing in many areas. But here in Cork, it's Clonacilty, as you would have heard Barry in the news, uh, no let up there. The overnight uh, restrictions for water in Clonacilty, they will continue and I suppose continue for another while until it rains, maybe. Well, this may rain on Saturday, but we won't hope for too much rain anyhow, uh, depending on the water supplies. Your views are welcome across the show. Uh, you can call us. Bernie taking those calls 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. If there's something you want to raise on this morning's show, you can always uh, get in contact with us via the C103 app. A lot of calls and comments in already regarding the NCT. I'll get to those shortly, but also as we're on about the roads, there's a collision this morning at Sunday as well. It's on the Shanna Keel side and Gar- D are redirecting traffic so if you're in the area just be careful there of that in and around the Shanakil area. On the way though we're going to hear concerns which continue over the proposed Mallow to Dungarvan Greenway. That's next. Court today on C103. On the way we're going to hear how antidepressant prescriptions for under 15s. They're up 130% since 2012. That's ahead but first we spoke with concerned farmers in April with regards to the proposed Greenway from Mallow to Dungarvan Garvin. Now many farmers learned uh, that they first of all were going to be impacted by this greenway but they had no consultation beforehand and realised that this would cut through their land or indeed run alongside their homes. So a delegation from the IFA they met with senior executives of the council from Cork and indeed from Waterford uh, to highlight these concerns and it was the IFA North Cork Chair Pat O'Keefe who led that delegation. He joins me this morning. Good morning to you Pat. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. Uh, this is to run on a former railway line, which was not used since 1961, we believe. Uh, but in the meantime, sections of this line were purchased by farmers. So a lot of this is no longer in public ownership. No, there's only about 12% of this is on the, of the line is only in public ownership today. And the line is the last time the line was used, I think it was roughly about 1967. And that's what it is. and the land has been converted since then. The farmers have bought the land and they've converted it into um, into 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 cropping and dairy farming and that's what they have. So the line is no longer there. That's what there is. It is until it's a short and they purchased it and it's it's been cleared and it's been a commercially farmed now since since then night. And when we spoke with farmers, I'm sure you obviously have heard the same, Pat, from them. Uh, many had concerns that they realised this was going to cut through their lands, but also for those uh, realising that where their home position was, where their physical house was, the greenway would run right alongside their home or indeed maybe sheds belong to the farm. And they were worried because, you know, at 2am or 1am in the morning, this greenway is open and they felt people would be able to access their home or access their farmyard in an easy way uh, because they're in such a rural area, basically the, the line is open 24-7. Mm. <clears throat> and I suppose it, 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 the one thing is, is what it's doing as well, it's severing farms and that's what it is, it's dividing it and that's what it is. Then you have the step, right, that's one part of it. The second part is what you said, 
is is there's farmyards right up against this, which means that they will be in trouble and they won't be able to do their commercial farming in in a, in a manner that which they have been doing all their lives from one generation onto another generation, and that's inconvenient and um, it's not right. That's what it isn't. And these farmers have real concern because it's really coming right up against uh, uh, the walk. The greenway is really coming plans. It's really coming up beside our farmyards, and that, that's which is not right. But equally, it is severing, uh, severing farms in the middle of fields and everything, dividing the farm in two, and, the, and these, some of these dairy farms, be it tillage farms, be it dry stock farms, and be it, be it um, and horsey people as well, in fairness. And when it comes to the road network, for example, the M20 that's been spoken about for many years at this stage, yes. many farmers, you know, they know where the route is going to be or proposed route, so they're prepared and ready to get a CPO if it does, mm-hmm. particular, that, if that route is chosen, uh, that they know the way it's going to go and their lands will be impacted. Uh, any consultation with farmers on this doesn't seem to have happened, hence while you and others went as a delegation to meet well, both executives well, from Cork and Waterford. Of course, of course, look, um, the, the, it, 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 it's the, the project promoters have um, started. They did a, a first um, survey of it about um, 12 months ago, and now they're on phase two of it, where there's consultation. They're going from farmer to farmer at the present time, and they're seeing what is what is the challenges that are out there, and they're getting it as what they've been told, be it from landowners, private dwellers, whoever, all those people who are businesses, who are people who have con- real concerns about it, that's what they have. So that consultation is going on. Um, they told us that day when we met them in Samoy, um, um, they're, they're, they're just on that work. And of course, one of the things is when we had our two public meetings, yes, some of the farmers had had, had that consultation with the, with the officials of the promoters of the Greenway at that stage. That's what they had. But it's not all done yet. Like, And it's it is. It's taking time. It's taking like, and some farmers are not able for this, like, um, because they never had this kind of decisions to do in their life, and people putting hardship on them, and that's what they haven't. Tell us the truth. And when you met that delegation, when you were discussing this with them, did they have any idea on when the project would go a step further, or when CPOs are going I to be issued to landowners? I suppose they're they're, they're on the, this phase of it now. This will take until the end of quarter four of this year and may go into quarter one of next year of 2024. That's what we were led to believe from, from that meeting on that day. And I suppose, look, the doors kept open that we'll go back again to them again at a later stage. And I suppose we've asked them to engage with the farmers at a public meeting, maybe a due course down the line. That's what we have. And are they willing to change the route if they realise that some of this is going and cutting uh, through um, a farmyard? I think I think, I think, think at the moment we don't have no clear, don't know the, the definite things on this now, so it would be wrong of me to say that they would change or not change. That is up to those, because I can't answer for them, but I can answer for the farmers as the farmers are not accepting the, the route that has been planned at the present time from Dungarvan to Mallow. Because this has happened in other areas of Ireland, including Kerry and Galway. But I know yes. in Kerry, it went to the High Court. And that's something farmers in North Cork don't want. They don't want it to go that far because that's just a, a loss, maybe, depending on how things go for either side. Mm. Well, I suppose, look, there is greenways around the country, right? And I suppose, look, these farmers, some farmers have said, look, are we getting an explosion of greenways now, right? Um, that's what we are. And um, the other thing is, you're in, you're, in, you're in an area of the country where agriculture is the dominant business to the economy and the locality and that's not been factored in at all and um, like you only look at Thailand's annual report there a number of weeks ago where what the, the economy was worked, what the milk sales and everything 
was worked inside and more than what was worked inside in the in the county court arena. And so they they are farmers who are supplying milk to them, and that's it. And like that's, that's hemorrhaging farmers who have built up their businesses on the fate of of continuing the way. And now they're being threatened with this greenway coming through their lands and everything, severing the farms, which isn't good enough. So those proposing the greenways, not only this one but others, do you feel that they don't understand the farming industry and the effects it will have in the future if farms basically could close because of this, if they're split up and it's no longer viable for a farmer? Correct. You won't have someone every day adjusting a gate for something and like it's not as easy as people think. It is. It has. It has. It has its repercussions. So yes, it puts fierce hardship on the farmers. Tell the truth. <clears throat> and farmers are only one. Some of them are only one-man operations, which is another concern as well. So, like, it is doing damage. It's doing going through the best of farmland of the country, and um, that's what it is. Like, from beef crops, and 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 cows, everything, and all that. Like, so it is adding hardship to farmers. Tell the truth. And what is the next step here now, Pat? I mean, many are still looking for reviews. When the review takes place, what happens after this? Because well, the greenway is more likely to go ahead at some stage. Well, I suppose it may, may but look, it, it, it does, 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 the people of power have a lot of opportunities to make changes, and they should make changes. And I hope they're taking all concerns on board. And we've been bringing those changes. And um, I think that they, they, we had two public meetings, one in Ballydust, one in Fumai, we had another meeting last year. And um, so we two meetings in our cock already, and like we we've been and the, the concerns have been raised to us all the time now. Tell us the truth. So there's no time I would get a phone call every now and again about the greenway with a concerned farmer. That's what I would, and maybe in that time you would get an advertisement about concern. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens, Pat, regarding the future of that Greenway and indeed those in the area who we've spoken to before. I'm sure it's not the last time we'll uh, discuss this Greenway for the moment. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning. That is Pat O'Keefe, who's the IFA North Cork Chair. Uh, your views are welcome. You can call Bernie 0818 103 103 regarding Greenways and the uh, future of that Greenway and indeed other Greenways. There's a lot of them being proposed right across the country. You can always text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. On the way, they were going to speak with the mental health charity Jigsaw and this is how there's been an increase in the amount of antidepressants prescriptions being prescribed to those who were under the age of 15. We'll discuss that next. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 today on C103. Antidepressant prescriptions for under 15s are up 130% since 2012. Figures obtained by the Irish Times from the HSE revealed the increase with many concerns of a growing crisis in the sector. Mike Mansfield, Director of Communications and Fundraising at the Youth Mental Health Charity Jigsaw joins me. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I mean, this increase is most pronounced in teenagers aged between 12 to 15 years old, where there was a substantial rise in prescriptions issued. Yeah, that's correct. Um, The figures recently um, released by the HSE make for for stark reading, um, as you say, 130% increase across the board. Look, I think firstly, it's important to say that antidepressants play a role. They're not bad and in and in in and of itself. Um, for us, I think what is what is stark about these figures is that for many young people who attend a local GP who come to a point where they're looking for help, 
um, that the broader suite of options aren't available for them. Options such as such as jigsaw, such as early intervention, the supports they're getting in school mightn't be adequate enough. And often it leaves a GP a little bit stuck in terms of options. Where do I refer this young person who needs help? Um, and often there isn't a list, um, leaving the only option being the, being the prescription pad in, in, uh, in many cases. And as you mentioned there, GPs, that their hands are tied in some regards because there is ongoing delays in the child and adult mental health services. <clears throat> That's correct. And look, uh, GPs do and have continued over over decades to be to really a, be a part of that front line of primary care, be, be that first port of call right across communities that play a hugely significant role in mental health. It's it's it's. It's 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 often thought GPs are there for the physical health, but really play a huge amount, um, a huge role in that. And again, increasingly, GPs will say that the presentations they get from young people and and adults alike relating to mental health are are on an increase. That I suppose speaks to what we see at Jigsaw. Um, we have continued year on year to see an increase in young people seeking support with a range of mental health challenges. And again, when you look at the options again ourselves gps other organizations at that lower end who are trying to trying to intervene as early as we can when a young person's um going through some challenges the problem is that 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 primary care front line's really stretched it's 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 funding is too low availability of services at that at that level is too low supports in schools are too low and it means that a lot of young people are left with being 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 forced to hold um uh, the issues and then it becomes a problem for CAMS at that higher end or for tertiary care at the higher or acute end again. So um uh, certainly as a, 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 a I think I think last week I was quoted in, in the Irish Times as saying the system is at a bit of a tricky point uh, and uh, it certainly does feel that way at the moment. Yeah, and you'd have to wonder, and you'd know more about this, Mike, and those involved with Jigsaw and other like charities that deal with young people. Mm. The reason why so many young people now are seeking and asking for help, and asking, I suppose, for help is a great start if they do so, but those trying to sure, seek help, I sure. mean, it is increasing. It is. Look at, I mean, there's there's, there's probably two ways of looking at this, JP. Firstly, uh, uh, um, um, a range of different data points, <clears throat> both nationally and internationally, would point to um, increased levels of anxiety, a low mood, uh, low self-esteem, etc., right across that youth population. And there's a range of different reasons for that. COVID absolutely has played its role. Um, it's been disruptive for all of us collectively, but particularly for those at that at that sort of 15, 16, 17 uh, um, years of age, it's been incredibly disruptive to education, relationships, uh, that just, just general development, uh, uh, societal development. So certainly there are a range of indicators from surveys to clinical data that 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 tell us that there's there's more challenges being put being put in front of young people, and that's been matched with the with the lowering of of uh, of resilience to cope. On the other side, as you say, it is really positive that increasingly young people are reaching out and asking for help. If we rewind to, rewind, you know, 10, 15 years uh, uh, when when Jigsaw was, was, in, was in its infancy, a huge amount of our work at that stage was encouraging people to talk, was encouraging people to come out of the shadows and share it, and a lot of work around stigma reduction. 
I'd like to think the work that we in Jigsaw and others uh, uh, right across lots of different sectors from the media, uh, uh, increasing um, discussion, debate um, on mental health issues, problems, solutions and the media point of view, which is, which is really to be commended, and also across social media and celebrity and influencers. That's important. There is more of an openness around um, around people being, being open around uh, uh, relationship with mental health because everybody has it to be good we can be good so look there's a bit of a mix um certainly society is more open certainly young people in particular are more open to sharing the problems and the challenges that they're facing now the challenge is we need to match that with services we need to match that with we've done so much in encouraging to talk we now need to build frontline uh, structures so that we can listen And the lockdowns you mentioned there, they did have a big impact on life. Many who were not going to school, they stayed at home. But the big problem we have now is uh, we hear from parents, even this morning and on a daily basis, whose son or daughter is remaining at home. They don't want to go to school. But that leads to them then having uh, not a big or large friend network. So they're alone. They may be lonely themselves. And that is leading to depression, maybe to what we're hearing from the results coming out from the HSE. Absolutely. Look at it. it's it's um it's really interesting. You mentioned alone and and loneliness. It is something we've actually seen increasingly over the last number of years, which is interesting. And it comes in different forms from being withdrawn, isolation, uh, and etc. COVID was was you know again collectively a, a, a national and you know a universal attack on our mental health because it was it was it had all the ingredients it took away liberty it took away decision making it 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 removed a lot of core elements that are really important for positive mental health particularly for young people it was interesting because it forced uh, it forced lots of young people to uh, to remain confined in a in in a small family structure if that family structure was relatively supportive what we have found is that a lot of young people actually found comfort in it they said, actually, the normal day-to-day pressures of having to integrate, find my tribe, uh, uh, settle in in school, all that sort of stuff, actually is kind of gone because I have this ready-made excuse. It's comfortable. Um, I'm seeing more of mom and dad. I'm getting on better with my siblings. And actually, all the complexities around establishing and maintaining relationships, you know, I don't need to do because, you know, supposedly I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to do it. For many people, it was great. Then what has happened as we come out of post-COVID, they've been encouraged to get back out and integrate, you know, now start forming relationships. And that's really uncomfortable because they've gone from a place of real comfort that they've, that they've you know, uh, they've changed habits. Uh, they've probably spent more time online and that's where they've, where they've learned and been entertained. And that's probably where they've, they've connected with people. And now that social reintegration into face-to-face learning, face-to-face connectivity, relationship building is really tricky for lots of people to navigate. And as you say, there's, there's two options. They step into it, they face the discomfort or they withdraw. Um, and the withdrawal stuff for us is really challenging because, as you say, it leads to isolation, loneliness, depression. Um, 
groups and uh, we are certainly hearing the C word a lot in, in, our, in our day-to-day uh, interactions with young people across the country. With the GPs who are for many the first call of service when parents are looking for help regarding this but with GPs or whoever is going to issue antidepressants I mean it, they do play a part but at a very young age is this the correct way to go for the first resolve and doesn't it show why we need services like you and indeed the overall health service to be invested in? Sure. Look at. I mean, firstly to say, I'm 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 not from the clinical side, uh, JP. So probably not best first to talk about the pros and cons mm-hmm. of, of of administering uh, uh, prescription drugs to young people. As I say, certainly we do know that, that that they can in the broader ecosystem have a role to play. From our point of view, um, the best medicine is um, is supports and systems early as possible. And that's in schools, in clubs, in communities, in groups of mates, in all that sort of stuff. Because what we've done is, as we were saying, we've really helped young people get familiar with illiteracy and fluency around mental health. And they're open to sharing it. The problem is that if they do get the courage up to share it to mom, to dad, to the teacher, to the coach, often it's the adults that are recoiling and going, Oof, I have no idea how to handle this. Uh, I haven't built up my own um, my own literacy. I'm really busy and comes back a lot. So often the young person who has got to the point of opening up and sharing the problem, um, they're not getting the support that they need through through that one good adult, which is a really important message of ours here in Jigsaw around. Yes, we want to encourage young people to be literate, understand, talk about and share, but we really need the adults in the room to step up and play their part. Um, uh, so a lot of the work that we do in Jigsaw is actually outside that one-to-one therapeutic stuff it is in. It's in schools. Um, we do a lot of stuff online. We do a lot of stuff with football and um, hurling and camogie communities, really trying to educate the adults and support the young people as best we can. And that for us is, as you said, the best medicine, having creating societies and communities that are compassionate and open and kind and friendly and that's a big vision and it's really tricky um but i think i think it's something as a as a societal aspiration we should we should try to go after true and many young people you know they may not want to go to their parents or your gp if they're you know for example bullying would be something that happens and can happen unfortunately in schools but they may feel more comfortable speaking to someone in jigsaw or maybe even those big brother and big sister services that that are provided in some local areas so that's why they're so important and if we're if the investment is slow coming to our mental health services then we need services like you and others to to help them out absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly, I mean, just from our point of view as well, uh, I mean, just to mention, we do have services across across the country, services in, in, in Cork, in, in, uh, in the city there. We also have developed, and, and, and again, this was accelerated through COVID, a range of online services and support. So if there's something that you're worried about, be you a young person or a mom or a dad or a teacher or something, uh, there's a load of stuff on jigsaw.ie that can help you navigate how you're feeling, how the young person in your life is feeling. Um, and there's also some online services that, 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 that young people can access immediately just to help you navigate some of those tricky bits. So certainly we're, we're often concerned where, where you know, we hear about people talking about this massive waiting list for CAMs and there's challenges in the system. Let Please let that not be an excuse for a young person or a parent to reach out and ask for help. Um, 
even if the problem you believe it to be small or insignificant, oh God, I won't add to a queue of really needy people, don't do that. If you feel you need help, ask for help, um, and be it ourselves, be it uh, be it CAMS, be it your GP, be it your mom, your dad, uh, your teacher, your coach, whatever it is, they will help. Um, and certainly our, our our message to younger listeners is that we're here and, and uh, uh, please do 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 visit jigsaw.e and we'll, we'll do the very best we can to help you. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us this morning on that. Jigsaw.ie, you'll get more information there and I'm sure it's something we'll discuss again over the next while and hopefully things will begin to improve anyhow funding-wise for our mental health services for the moment. Mike, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, William JP. That's Mike Mansfield there, who is Director of Communications and Fundraising at the Youth Mental Health Charity, Jigsaw. JP, until one with Cork Today and Bernie taking your comments on the phone right now, 0818 103 103, if you want to raise something on the show, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Ahead, we're going to hear from the man, along with a group of friends, who's going to climb the highest peaks in Munster, all for Special Olympics. Not only that, he's going to cycle to each and every mountain range, some undertaking... We'll be speaking to Mikey Power from Bandon before midday and also the cost of living, which is impacting all of us. But we have seen mortgage rates increase uh, a lot over the last number of months. And because of this, many people who could cope with their mortgage are now falling into arrears. So what options are available? We'll hear about the open door campaign from Awalia shortly on the programme. And after 12.30, our regular councillor Joe Heffernan will join us discussing self-esteem. So that and much more ahead. Uh, Earlier, though, just after we started the show we spoke regarding the NCT and this is coming on the back of the Minister of State Jack Chambers who is unhappy with the current workings of the NCT he feels they need to be basically punished the fines they're getting no one's paying the fines it seems at the moment and he's afraid with all these fines they're getting that they'll go into millions and millions of euros and he just basically is saying that the whole thing is in chaos Uh, and Appleus who run NCT they have come out and said that one of the reasons there are delays in the system is because of people who don't attend their appointments and don't know shows they're calling them and also they are finding it tough to recruit mechanics that's their uh, response to that but as the delays go on a number of people on to us this morning with their uh, views on this first of all Joe was in Bandon he says cars after four years have to get an NCT every two years but cars over ten years have to be tested every year but then he says what about this cars between the ages of 30 to 40 years uh, they have to get a test every two years now that does not make sense says Joe in Bandon and we checked that out and Joe is right because every two years if your car is over four years or less than 10 years old uh, you must get an NCT but if your car is over 10 years but less than 30 years old you have to get that every year Uh, but then if your car is between 30 and 39 years old yes it is every two years uh, so long as it's not been used for commercial purposes Uh, and Joe questioning that that an older car gets a test every two years and uh, maybe that should be further than maybe a year or six months you're saying Joe but you're right it, it does I mean are they classic cars at that stage if they're 30 to 40 years old anyhow Joe thank you for your uh, call on that and Finbar is in Mallow on WhatsApp and he's asking because this morning he did contact the NCT uh, to try and book uh, an NCT because his NCT expires in three weeks now this is the response he got from them this morning when he was on to them 
they came back I presume this was by text or email from Barry, but they said to him that they note the request for an appointment and they are working to source a date for him at his uh, provider's test centre and they'll be in touch with him shortly now Finbar's uh, worry is his NTT expires in three weeks and with that response will that work if he is stopped by a member of Angarda Shikona now I would hope Finbar within the next three weeks they'll come back to you before that and give you a date and if you have a date on text or by letter or by email well then you can show that if you were stopped by the Gardaí and what we're hearing from Gardaí is well I know the, the law of the land might say different but many Gardaí if you show them that you have an appointment with the NCT and your appointment is for whatever date it is uh, they will accept that uh, because again it's not your fault that there's a delay within the service so you should be okay and I would hope that within the next three weeks you will get a date so while they're processing that date surely they'll have one for you uh, before your NCT expires let us know how you get on Finbar with that we'll stay on the roads because Sean is abandoned and he's just advising people who are travelling in the uh, Crossbury area his daughter drove into a pothole on the Crossbury to Calumny Road and this happened I'm not too sure what time of the day is, it doesn't really matter, but she had three young children in the car and this pothole wrecked two wheels and indeed two tyres. Now, he wants to warn motorists to be careful if you're on that stretch of road because it has damaged other cars as well. So if you're on the uh, cross barrier to Columny Road, just take care of that. Uh, hopefully your daughter is okay there, Sean in Bandon. And on a lot of calls into us on the child benefit and what's happening this month about the extra money. Well, yes, there will be an extra in the child benefit uh, this month the payment of 100 euros per child and usually the child benefit or the child's allowance as it was known as it's paid out on the first Tuesday of the month which would be today so you should be getting 100 euros extra in the child benefit today uh, if you are collecting or getting that payment and we spoke regarding the Greenway and this is landowners concerns on this proposed Greenway from Mallow to Dungarvan and it's when the route one of the routes was revealed farmers and landowners saw that this was going through their land it was running uh, alongside their home and some even realised that the uh, route itself was cutting through farms and through farmyards so obviously there was a bit of uproar over this and people weren't consulted so uh, a number of people, a delegation uh, met with executives from the councils of both Cork and indeed Waterford uh, to sit down and discuss this we spoke earlier uh, with Pat O'Keefe who led the delegation, he's the chair of the IFA in North Cork and some reaction to that, first of all Alan is in Bally Duff. He says agrees with what Pat was saying and others this morning. Consultation is needed. But while the Greenway will be beneficial to the area, the route needs to be right for the area also. And they need to select a feasible route that does not cut through farmyards because that's just not a win for anyone. If the Greenway is to go ahead, it needs to be welcome so that this will work. But if they don't have the community behind them, then it won't be a win for anybody involved. Feels Alan, while Deirdre is in Formoy, she says the Greenway we hope it works because it will bring business like the Greenway did in Dungarvan uh, but it is to be if it is to be developed uh, in the area uh, for everyone in the community to benefit from this we cannot isolate the farming community. We welcome tourism but not at a loss to the farmers who contribute to the local towns along that Greenway uh, says Deirdre in Formoy and uh, on a different issue totally this is to do with GP shortages which we've also discussed a lot on the show over the last few months and this is from Anne 
And Anne's grandson, he's 13 years old. Now he's really sick at the moment. He's off school today due to hay fever. And the pollen count, as we mentioned earlier, is high for today. So hay fever sufferers will notice that across the next few days as well. Uh, But the problem Anne has is she can't get an appointment with a doctor and there's no cover and it will be later this week or tomorrow before they can get an appointment. Nothing new, some people will say, but is that something others are noticing in their area? Uh, trying to access your GP. I think today where you ring your GP and get a, an appointment straight away there and then, I think that's gone. Uh, for many, when you ring, they will offer you a date for maybe the next day. So as today is Tuesday, they may say you'll get an appointment Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. Uh, but the day where you'll get an appointment straight away seems to be over for many on unless it's real emergency. But uh, any advice for Anne on that? I I think uh, just the shortage of GPs is one reason, but uh, are they extra busy? I'm not too sure this time of the year. You would hope they wouldn't be too busy, but obviously they are where Anne is. Uh, Your views are welcome. Do you, like Anne and others who contact us, find it hard to get access to your GP? And if you do ring, you are waiting for an appointment. It isn't the same day. It's usually the next day or the day after is when you get an appointment, if you're lucky to get one at all. Uh, Thank you, Anne, for your call. And just back to the roads again. And uh, this is to do with traffic and road delays. And Mary is travelling at the moment between Bandon and Inneskeen. And she says she'd been waiting at a stop sign for about 45 minutes. And this is on the Bandon to Inneskeen road. She says to avoid that road if possible. And that is due to roadworks there that are going on at the moment. And also Jer, who was travelling from Cork to Limerick, uh, he's caught up in roadworks as well. And they continue near the Jumahan Junction at Mallow. So expect delays there if you're on the roads this morning. Lines open, views welcome, 0818 103 103 or indeed you can call Bernie on uh, 0818 103 103, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way we will be discussing the impacts of the cost of living and indeed the mortgage arrears that many people are finding themselves in basically because of all these rates increases over the last number of months. We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. A person is wanted for work on a dairy farm near Mallow for the summer. Experience would be an advantage, but not ascension. You can call 087-297-9018 for further details. Carpenters are wanted in Clonakilty. You must have your own tools and experience. Send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And a HGV driver is required for Calcro Transport in Mill Street. You can apply with your details and ring Shane on 087-773-0018. 837. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Awalia, the free mortgage arrears support service, has launched an awareness campaign to encourage those in mortgage arrears to seek help. The Open Door project is to let people know who may feel trapped that there is help out there if they are caught in mortgage arrears. And Alan McGee is an independent personal insolvency practitioner and a consultation solicitor who works with Awalia and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, JP. And thanks for joining us. I suppose this service, first of all, it provides hope to those who feel they just cannot get out of a debt cycle that many may be falling into at the moment with everything going on in society. That's right, Jess. The Awalia scheme has been operational since 2016 and it has given great support and help to people down through the years since then. 
And I understand there's over 19,000 people have availed of the services to date. So it is getting out there and helping those people who are in need and probably didn't have the financial resources to seek professional uh, advice themselves. And with the cost of living increasing, those people, many will look at them and say, oh, they're on good salaries. You know, they have good jobs. Uh, but what we're hearing as well, I'm sure you are, is the monthly bills that are increasing. And then if people are not on a fixed mortgage rate and maybe they are and it's coming up for a new, when they go to renew, they're on a lot higher than they were. All these factors are in a way catching people out. And this is where they fall into this trap, not by them not being responsible, but it's just with everything going on outside factors, I suppose, Alan. Yeah, I suppose that is uh, a fair analysis of it. I'm seeing a lot more of that now myself with people whereby the substantial jump in mortgage repayments is really making it difficult together with the cost of living increases. And anybody who is, say, uh, commuting to work would have seen that previously in the very high fuel prices that were there, which are going back up now. So that's all had an impact on people's ability to service debt. And sometimes then that impacts on their ability to service the debt or their ability to provide for their families. And I mentioned the mortgage rates increasing, you know, people are busy with life, sometimes they forget to to deal with that. Is that something that is having a a kind of a new slant on this with Awali, the people that are getting caught with those increase in rates? Very much so. um, A lot of the people who are there are people whose loans might have been sold to what's commonly referred to as a vulture fund who refuse to provide a fixed rate option to creditors or to debtors. So they're just seeing their interest rates and their mortgage repayments on a steady upward trajectory and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, Some of these people might have been in financial difficulty previously and had their loans restructured. Now they're performing, but their credit history has been affected, so they're not in a position to remortgage and they're stuck now with a fund that won't provide them with options that other banks will. And just on this vulture fund, I mean, if you, if you have a mortgage, you are paying the mortgage, everything is going okay that way, but can a bank just sell a number of performing mortgages regardless without telling or informing the customer? So if you're paying your mortgage every month and there's no problem with that mortgage, could you end up with a vulture fund or is it certain mortgages they sell on? They sell on, I suppose, they sell on a loan book and they're, made, they're predominantly uh, non-performing, but there are some performing mortgages in that. And now with the exit of Ulster Bank and KBC from the market, you're going to see the performing loans being sold to funds and where those people are fully performing, they will still have the benefit of their terms and conditions, but they won't have the benefit if they go to a fund of the ability to fix a rate because they say they don't offer them. And banks can do that. Obviously, they can. It's legal. It is legal, yes. It's unfair though, isn't it, Alan? Yes, you would think it's unfair that um, if, uh, if you're entitled to the if you're entitled to the terms and conditions of the loan with your original credit provider, you would have hoped that the options that are available with them would be available with the new provider. But in some circumstances, that's not possible. Whereas then, 
there is hope for people who are insolvent uh, in such situations that we can fix interest rates into a formal personal insolvency arrangement and we've been doing that for a good number of years now and that gives uh, uh, hope and help to people who are insolvent and are in difficulty with their mortgage repayments. And if you're loan just on the vulture funds uh, before I move on, but on that, if your mortgage is sold to a vulture fund, I mean, is there any way of preventing this from being sold or once you get the letter, is it a done deal? Uh, I think it's a done deal. Once I get the letter, I haven't seen somebody yet who's managed to pull their individual loan out of a loan book that's for sale. I think your options are to try and remortgage if you're a performing loan. You might be able to remortgage with another bank and and take it out of the fund that way. But uh, I don't think you can just elect to take or you'll be successful in taking out one individual loan out of a loan book. Okay, well, that is maybe for some, hopefully it won't happen, but I know of others and people who have contacted us who have been in that situation. It is quite a worry uh, when you get that letter from the bank saying your loan has gone to a, a certain vulture fund. Uh, so let's go back, Alan. I mean, if you are in this situation, so if you, if you do unfortunately fall through the cracks or your uh, mortgage rate increases along with everything else, what happens if you realise, okay, you need help, uh, you're going to go to this scheme now from Awalia. Uh, talk us through what happens in this case for someone who needs help with this and needs to keep their home. Okay, for someone in, in that situation, they can access the Walia, which will give them uh, access to a financial and legal advice through either going through their local MABS office, who provide a very good service for people, or else coming directly to a personal family practitioner. Either avenue will get you through to dealing with somebody who can assist you. And what they will do then is they will uh, assess your income and expenditure and try and put a plan together either informally through MABS to the credit provider or else formally through an insolvency practitioner to restructure the debt. And there's many forms of that debt restructure. It could simply be uh, retaining the existing amount of the debt and extending the term or reducing the interest rate or or something like that. Or it could be if the debt is just... uh, totally unsustainable. It could be a write-down of debt with a reduction in the interest rate and a term extension. There's many different uh, avenues available. But in in the formal insolvency process, it is possible to write down debt where it's unsustainable. And then the Awalia and those involved, like yourself, you work with the parties and indeed with the bank. And are the banks good in negotiating and, and dealing with the likes of you and others? They are on the in the main, yes. They they are banks. They are creditors. They want to uh, do the best for their shareholders, so they'll always try to drive a hard bargain. But the job that I have to do is to try and find uh, a medium in between that is affordable to the debtor and yet will be accepted by the banks. And the banks have come from a position whereby they wouldn't entertain any debt write downs previously to where they have learned, I suppose, through decisions in the High Court that uh, reality has to has to have some bearing on life and write downs are possible as are interest rate fixings and uh, other solutions like that. But there is also 
And I suppose this was a main reason for the banks coming around to this is that there's an appeal mechanism. So if the banks refuse a reasonable personal insolvency arrangement proposal that seeks to keep somebody... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In their home, that it can be appealed to the circuit court if it meets certain criteria. And that's had a huge impact on... Uh, the attitudes towards dealing with debt out there. And when you mentioned there debt write-downs, is that, for example, if you have a mortgage of €200,000 and you're paying that back, is it writing down the €200,000 to a lower amount or is it the monthly figure? How does that work then on on the write-down? Okay, so the way it will work is we can't write down the debt below the market value of the property. So if you have have a house worth 200000 and you have a debt of 350000 and you have the ability to service 250,000. We would write the debt down to 250,000 and then restructure the 250,000 to what uh, to to the person's affordability. So it might be through a term extension and reduced interest rate or or things like that. But uh, the write down will only be uh, will only be an option where it's in negative equity and the so you can't go you can't write it down below the value of the house but you should you should really only be writing it down to the level of affordability of the person and when someone goes and approaches a walia which for some I presume Alan is a, it's a hard thing to do and that everybody will be uh, forthcoming in going in and meeting someone from a walia you know you have a lot of people who are proud and don't want others to know their business so first of all it's getting over that hurdle of going and making that step and then when they do make that step it's someone like you was appointed to deal with them yes and um, what i would say to anybody listening on that is don't be one bit uh, embarrassed by talking to somebody or stepping forward looking for help. They say over 19,000 people to date under the scheme have, have got help. Um, there's Your case will always be dealt with uh, with empathy and that the people who are doing this have been doing this for 10 years or more. So they are experienced in it. They know what can and can't be achieved. They, they can show people uh, what solutions are available to them and at the end of the day then it's up to that person to make up their own mind themselves when they've got the advice as to how they wish to proceed. And you've been working at this for, for many years at this stage. From your involvement, is there always more or less a favourable outcome for the person who is in arrears? I think the statistic uh, and under the Awali scheme is that over 90% of households who achieved an arrangement through an insolvency case has managed to stay in their home which is uh, a very good return on the on the workings of the Awalia scheme. 
and uh, Sharon who's in contact with us she's at the moment lucky that, that they're okay but she does worry for the next year because she is going to lose her job at the end of the summer uh, and she fears if she cannot get another job hopefully she will but if she fears if she can't if she was to avail of this scheme uh, by the name it is a free mortgage arrear support if someone goes along I presume everything is covered it's free or do they have to pay anything for legal costs or how does that work Alan? No, the scheme is, the Awalia scheme is uh, free. You, MABS provide a free service, so you can go into MABS and get free advice off MABS. The Awalia scheme kicks in if you are in threat or repossession on your home and you're in arrears or threatened with uh, repossession of your home. That At that stage, then, you, you qualify for the Awalia scheme. So uh, the step would be to talk to either their local MABS office or talk to an insolvency practitioner directly. And if you are going to be in trouble with your mortgage, it's worth uh, uh, engaging with your bank, either through MABS or yourself, letting them know the difficulties that's there. And uh, payment break may be an option if there's going to be a short period there where you're going to be out of work. Something like that is possible as well. OK, we'll give numbers there in a while, Alan, but thanks for joining us this morning. Some good advice there from those who uh, may unfortunately find themselves in those situations. Uh, Alan McGee, uh, thanks for joining us. No problem, Jimmy. Take, Take care. care. Alan McGee there, who's a solicitor, but also an independent personal insolvency practitioner with Awalia. And that is about their open door scheme and campaign, which is underway. If you do feel you need to contact someone in Awalia or you find yourself in a situation like this, you can contact them on 0818072000. That's 0818072000. This is Cork Today. You're on C103. And I have a, list, or a message here on text from a listener. And I don't know if it's just isolated to a certain phone network or if it's just a certain area uh, but they say Hi JP I hope you can investigate what is wrong with the phone network in the West Cork area because I cannot get through to any landline numbers in West Cork at 023 and 028 phone numbers so we did check here and from our end we were able to ring an 023 number so I'm not too sure if you're ringing from a mobile phone or if you're ringing from a landline yourself uh, and what company you are with so you might let us know uh, whatever phone network you're with it could be a problem with a network so let us know and we'll uh, try and investigate in the meantime but if there's someone out there uh, who may be in a similar situation uh, if you can text or WhatsApp do uh, to 0862103103 or call Bernie on 0818103103 but on the way uh, we're going to speak with Mikey Power who is from Bandon and he along with a group of friends they are going to climb the highest peaks of mountain ranges right across Munster they're doing this for Special Olympics but not only that Mikey himself Wait for this, he's going to cycle to each and every mountain range. Uh, we'll chat with him next. Cork today on C103. On the 17th and 18th of June, a group of people will climb the highest peaks in Munster, all in aid of Special Olympics Ireland. Not only that, but Mikey Power, who many will know is the owner of BFIT Health and Fitness in Bandon, is going to attempt to cycle to each one all in 48 hours. And Mikey joins me on the line this morning. Good morning to you, Mikey. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine. Now, this is some challenge you've set yourself and the others that will uh, join you on this. Yeah, so we're looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be tough. The body's starting to feel the training now already, but but we just have to keep going, keep keep plugging along. What is the training like for this? Because are you a PT yourself in the gym? So you're healthy and fish, but how is everybody else getting on with all the training? 
So most people are kind of just falling in, like Gary Abbott now, who'd be the main the main man in the mountains. He has he has been mountaineering for for years, so he's a vast amount of experience, incredibly fit. Um, but even I don't think anything can really prepare you for the toll that it'll take on your body. Carrie O'Regan recently was the first woman home in the Ten Mile Sheep's Head, and Emma, my lovely girlfriend, is just an absolute warrior. She'll feel she'll 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 be she'll be well able for it. And by myself, I'm having a cycle, uh, climb a mountain, cycle to the next one, climb another mountain this weekend. But up to that point, it's been mostly cycle, climb, and maybe cycle home. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything can truly prepare yourself for what you're actually about to go through. But it's just get the miles into the legs and and and. It's a mental battle from there. Yeah, it will be indeed. And that weekend on June 17th and 18th, I mean, the plan for that weekend, first of all, you're starting your first climb and this is going to be in the Knockmill Down Mountains in County Waterford. Yes, so we'll be starting Knockmill Down. We haven't got an exact time yet. We possibly be four or five o'clock in the morning uh, because we want to finish in the 48 hours in some sort of daylight. That's the hope, that's the plan. But we'll be starting in Knockmill Down, up and back down, and the lads will get a spin up to the Galties and wait for me there. I have a two-hour cycle to the Galties. It's, I think it's about roughly five hours, uh, give or take a half an hour, to the other side, to the Galties North. We'll be, I'll have a long cycle, about a six-hour cycle to Mylusa, which will be going up possibly in the cover of darkness. We're not 100% certain yet. And then we've got, I've got the big cycle, which is eight to 10 hours. There's no telling how long it's going to take. It's over 150 kilometers from Moilusa to Carantool by night. You'll be leaving one mountain range to go to another by bike. So if that's not bad enough, cycling from one place to another, you get off the bike and then you climb up the mountain. And then you climb down the mountain and <sighs> off you go to the next one again on bike cycling. But as you mentioned, Claire to Kerry, uh, you're going to be doing this overnight cycling. What kind of a mental state are you going to be in uh, following that? Or how do you get into that state? Because there'll be a lack of sleep there, Mikey. Yeah, well, it, I, I have had a small bit of experience in it before. Myself and another friend, Rona McMahon and Mary Sullivan, um, did the, we ran four miles every four hours for four days. So, again, four hours, four miles every four hours for four days. There was absolutely no sleep for the four days. If I got four hours of sleep, it was probably a lot. And yes, it does take its toll on you. But again, it's just it's it's making sure your food is right, making sure that your coffee is timed right, and look, it's just a mental battle. It's it's it really is. But you know, when 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 I see the guys coming into the gym, like my my great friend Damon Donnelly coming into the gym, and I see how hard they work and the things that they can overcome, this is this really isn't anything to me. You know, it's kind of it's it's. You know, I'm very grateful to be able to do this and be in a position to to put myself through these sort of challenges. Fair play, because on day two, then, when you do get to Coran Tool, you climb there and then you come back and you're cycling from Coran Tool to Knockboy here in Cork. Yeah, so we finish off in the beautiful county of Cork and hopefully Sunday evening all going well. So, like, we'll have people joining us for, for some of the hikes. Some people will join us for Not Meal Down. Some will join us for... The Galtys, nobody will join us from my loose, I don't think. Possibly one or two friends, maybe. And uh, Karen Tool, we hope to have a decent crowd down there to show their support. Um, 
uh, in the challenge and obviously to challenge themselves. And then anybody that wants to can finish off Law and Bantry in Knockboy on Sunday evening with us. Why have you chosen the charity that you have, Special Olympics Ireland? So, as I said, we did the four miles every four hours for four days mm. at the start of the, the first the lockdown. Uh, my friend Ronan was on the radio that time as well and he really, really put it very well. Um, having something for these kids that gives them camaraderie, identity and belonging is paramount to our communities. They have a love that is unbound and a sense of gentleness that touches everyone. And I think we could all take a leaf out of their book sometimes. Uh, and again, I see that every single day. Eamon, Dan Lee and Keen Fleming come into the gym. Like that, These are the guys that inspire me. You know, it's... it's 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 great to have them coming into the gym. It's great that they exercise, and you know, it's it's again these are the guys that inspire me when I'm in in a tough spot in any sort of exercise. These are the things that that push me through. Yeah, and I remember Ronan that time when you were doing that other challenge on with us on the radio here on C103, speaking <laughs> yes, about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's great that that facilities are there, like your gym and others, uh, to provide this, and you know, it, it brings the whole community together in a way. And we've seen that over the years with various work from the Special Olympics right across Ireland. So, if people want to donate, they can do so via your GoFundMe page, which we will share on our social media feed. Can they also donate in person if they go to the gym or how does that work? If they come to the gym, they can, yeah. And we will put it on under their name and Beef at Bandon if they want to give it to us in cash as well. Well, Mikey, it's a fantastic uh, challenge you've lined out. A very tough one, but it's unique. I'll give you that. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, you're really going to need a, a long few weeks of relaxation after this huge challenge. And best of luck to all involved as well. There, your girlfriend, Emma, and everybody else who will be joining you along the way, Mikey. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. No problem. Thank and thanks for joining us. Take care. And again, yeah. best of luck. What a fantastic guy. What are they are doing there from BFIT Health and Fitness in Bandon. That was Mikey Power. We wish them all the best in aid of Special Olympics Ireland. And it's going ahead on June the 17th and indeed the 18th. Two days of climbing the highest peaks in Munster. Not only that, Mikey, as you heard, will cycle to each and every one. Now, for that listener who was on to us earlier asking regarding the phone network in the West Cork area, because this person could not get through to any landline numbers in and around West Cork, that being the ones this person could not get through to 023 and indeed 028. We have looked into this and at the moment, there seems to be a problem, not only in in Cork, but elsewhere in the country, but it's only affecting certain parts. Uh, It's to do with air they have reported outages within the last hour or so and they are affecting though many areas across the morning in Cork including Bandon, Bantry and Mallow and parts of Cork City so if you were finding it difficult to get through to landline numbers that could be the problem. Now we tried here and we got through fine uh, to various numbers uh, on 023 but it depends maybe on what network you're with or what service you were using but there is some uh, type of problem but they are working to uh, solve that so for that listener uh, who texts in hopefully that will be solved for you over the next while. Now something else as we kind of talk about communication and this is to do with something we discussed on the show a few weeks ago dodgy boxes do you have one? Do you know somebody that has? Well it seems now that Sky Sports and other screeners of 
live Premier League football that they have been warned to cut their prices and this is all as part of a war on piracy. Now the government has been given the green light in Europe to launch a crackdown on illegal streaming of major tele events and some experts are warning that the illegal services were well, going to become more popular uh, because broadband speeds are increasing. Uh, but then you have of course reported in the UK last week was that five men who ran one of these illegal operations and they were locked up and jailed in the UK. So Irish broadcasters, uh, RTE and Virgin, uh, they have been granted the power now by the European Commission to seek injunctions blocking pirate content. Uh, and seemingly for those who do pay for the illegal services uh, here in Ireland, you can pay as little as anything of roughly 10 euros a month to access anything you want to basically illegally on a modified fire stick. Uh, but then if you are doing this illegally and you're paying, for example, Now TV, you could be paying nearly 40 euros a month for the Sky Sports package and then you may have to pay another €40 Euros a month if you want Premier Sports uh, for the uh, Saturday games for example uh, and because of so many different packages being offered and so many games being shown on different channels people may have to sign up for Sky, BT, Premier whatever else is out there and then if you're going on the Sky route itself with the dish uh, and you include broadband you could be paying anything up to €80 Euros a month if it's not in a current offer. So because of the high costs of actually accessing pay TV services and able to watch the uh, whatever match you want to from the Premier League, for example, on Sky, uh, now there's been a warning from the government here and it will be more than likely across Europe as well uh, for Sky Sports and others to look at their pricing and to reduce it because if they don't reduce it, you'll have those illegal services increasing which will then uh, have a knock-on effect if people are going to the illegal services, you'll have less signing up for the uh, subscription services and will that affect their running? I'm sure Sky don't want to be uh, losing out customers but they will if they increase and keep increasing their prices and they've been warned about this so we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's happening here it looks like Ireland is really taking the lead on this uh, and the UK. Uh, of course, the UK now out of Europe, so they're operating a, a bit differently on this. But they are, uh, the UK and Ireland, really going along with this uh, and, and trying to crack down on the illegal services. And with all of this going on then, later this year, uh, the Premier League rights, well, they're going for auction for the first time since 2018. And the last time this happened, we saw huge amounts of money being spent uh, to get those rights uh, for the likes of Sky getting involved, the BT Sport and Amazon actually got involved as well and they paid huge amount of money uh, for the domestic broadcast of those packages within the UK. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Many people do use the so-called dodgy box or indeed the fire stick that costs a low amount of money. Why? Because it's cheaper uh, and they can get their games and watch their games at a cheaper option. Uh, but is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Your views are welcome. Maybe you use one of those dodgy boxes uh, and you find it that only for those dodgy boxes you would not be able to view your favourite sports or TV. TV. Uh, if you are welcome on that, 0818 103 103. Bernie taking your calls, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And on the way, we are going to hear from the streets of Charnival because 
Uh, over the next number of weeks, there'll be another protest, more or less a silent protest this time, uh, to take place in Charleville because those who live in the area and who work in the town every day feel something needs to be done at this stage. Well, we were on the streets of the town over the last number of days and we spoke to those who use the town and cross the main street in Charleville every day, what they think needs to be done uh, following the recent tragedies in Charleville and of course the high volume of HGVs which pass through the town every day. Uh, they have no choice. There's no other route around so they have to go that way. We'll hear from the streets of Charleville after midday. Also after 12.30 our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan will be joining us discussing self-esteem along with your calls and comments on various issues are welcome to us. Bernie taking those now on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can always get in contact with us via the C103 app. If you don't have that, download that now from the App Store. That is Cork Today until 1. Your calls and comments are welcome. Bernie taking those on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We will be hearing shortly from Charnival. This is uh, from those who are again going to hold more or less a silent protest in a few weeks time regarding the situation of traffic and uh, pedestrian safety in the town. We'll hear from those who live and work uh, in Charnival and cross that main street every day shortly and also after 12.30 our regular councillor Joe Heffernan will join us discussing self-esteem. Uh, but just going back to a number of calls and comments that have come into us over the last while, just going back to an earlier conversation on the NCT we had at the start of the show and this it's because of the Minister of State for Transport, Jack Chambers. He is now describing the attempts, as he says, by Apolis, the company who run the service, uh, the NCT that is. He says it's a complete failure uh, as motorists continue to wait and are affected by delays in getting a test. Well, on that and those who are getting tests, uh, one person here on WhatsApp uh, says that those who are due an NCT in December, well, they're having to wait until May for tests in Blarney. Uh, but when the test is passed, the car only gets a certain as far as December and not May of next year. So the whole thing regarding the NCT is becoming a joke and greedy, uh, says one person on WhatsApp. While Jerry in Glanthorn has a very similar comment regarding the date of when you actually get your NCT from, the date of the test and not when actually it was, um, it was the date it was out of and not the date of the test. So uh, like that person in Blarney, if you... You know, if there's an overlap, well, you're going to be going back again in a few uh, months' time. And it's not your fault. It is the fault of those running the NCT. And jury making out that, again, this shows it's a business. It's a money-making business. And where uh, does the search, uh, which is issued by law, surely uh, this should be done more fairly. And if you get your NCT, for example, in June, well, then it should last for the year and not last only until December, especially when we all have no choice but to get the NCT. It's in law, uh, says jury in Glanton and a lot of people are commenting on that fact that uh, the difficulty in trying to get an NCT and when you get one you're waiting and some again saying ring and if you ring there may be a cancellation and you may be lucky enough to get one in a number of weeks times but it's the effort people are saying they're going to to get an NCT it should not be that hard uh, so yeah a lot of people not happy with the current system within the NCT service and then something I mentioned before midday and this was to do with a crackdown on the so-called dodgy boxes and uh, the government here 
here in Ireland that they've been given the green light in Europe to launch a crackdown on the illegal streaming services. And the UK have done also. The UK have actually jailed people last week who were running these services. But also uh, Europe and Ireland have now gone and looked at Sky and asked Sky Sports and other uh, screeners of live Premier League football to cut their prices as part of the war on piracy because they feel the prices that are charged by Sky or BT or Premier Sports or Now TV, they're too high. And that is why people then are going along and they're availing of these illegal services. And a lot of people agree on that. First of all, someone is saying here, we mentioned uh, on a survey that was carried out, uh, I think it was the Irish Sun did this, uh, whereby televiewers who are paying uh, illegal services, that they're paying roughly around 10 euros a month to access anything they like on these modified fire sticks or the so-called dodgy box. Will somebody maybe in the know or not? I'm not too sure, but on WhatsApp says it's a bit more than 10 euros a month. It's better though than paying 80 euros a month just for one box from Air or Vodafone. It's all money, money. And this person says, well, the government says shop around for cheaper. Well, that is what people are doing. They are shopping around and maybe availing of those illegal services. But on shopping around, Michael says, I switched around for TV services for years. I went from Sky to Vodafone, Vodafone to Air, and now I am back with Sky. But between losing service and dealing with switching, is it really worth it? Asks Michael. No wonder people are going to illegal services. All the experts say shop around and switch. And yes, that is fine. But Michael says the time and effort on the customer's part can sometimes be more hassle than good. And the companies do not make it easy when you're switching from one to another. However, he says, if you're switching electricity provider, that can be a lot easier. So why cannot this be the same for if you're switching communications company? Uh, That's a good point, Michael. Thank you for your call on that. Yeah, if you're, if you're moving electricity company, for example, maybe from SSE to Electric Ireland, it's a lot easier than moving from maybe Vodafone to Sky. Uh, it's not as easy uh, as it would be if you're moving uh, electricity provider. So good point on that, Michael. And we'll wait and see what happens on this crackdown uh, to do with the illegal streaming services and the dodgy boxes. Uh, it will all um, be played out over the next uh, few months because uh, later this year, the Premier League rights, they're up again for auction. So all those who are bidding for those rights, well, they will want to make money out of this. So we'll see uh, what happens on that. Thank you for your calls in relation to the dodgy box system. And then I got a, we briefly mentioned earlier on the issue of cash and card, which still goes on if you prefer to pay by cash or prefer to pay by card. But uh, Margaret was in a local cafe in the town where uh, she's from. And last Sunday, she went for lunch. And she paid for her lunch by card. But when she got her receipt, all her bank details were printed out. Now, the whole number of her card and the expiry date were on the actual receipt. Now, she said it to the people in the cafe and they said, no, it happens all the time and there's no problem with this. But when Margaret went along and phoned the bank, they advised her to cancel the card as they said her number should not be shown on the receipt. And usually I think with receipts, isn't it, that they show the number or part of the number. But there's an XXX usually on the receipt, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not too sure about the expiry date, but there is usually a load of excess. They don't reveal your whole number, whereas in this cafe, everything was on the receipt. I suppose the fear is if that receipt was lying around or uh, fell out of Margaret's pocket or whatever and got into the wrong hands, then they would have access to all her details. So anybody else notice this when you're out and about? I would presume that it should be blocked out like most places are, uh, but uh, Margaret, a word of warning. Uh, And the bank in the end advised her to cancel her card, which she did to get a new one because in case her card was used 
Uh, so a word of warning there, Margaret. Thank you for your call. And uh, something that Noel was chatting with Bernie about, and this is Noel who's living on the north side of the city. It's uh, a nature one because a young crow uh, fell into his garden yesterday and he could not find any animal rescue opened on the bank holiday to deal with this. But why was he looking for an animal rescue? Well, Noel himself is allergic to birds. Uh, so in the end, lucky his neighbour came back and he asked the neighbour could he lift the bird into a nearby tree uh, so the, the mother could get to the actual bird that fell in. Uh, but he's asking about animal rescue availability in general on bank holidays. Is there support out there? I'm not sure, Noel, if there is animal rescue services open on bank holidays uh, for all type of wildlife and indeed for for pets as well. Uh, I do presume some vet services would run maybe emergency surgeries on bank holidays but I suppose you could be ringing around a number of them to find out. Uh, I presume they do but overall when it comes to animal rescue is there services? I'm not too sure. If someone does let us know. Uh, We already had people outside of nature for humans who can't access GPs earlier on the show and that is something that is happening right across the county and indeed right across the city. Uh, another example here from William, who says, like that earlier quarter you had, our five-year-old son got very sick on Saturday. So we went to try and get a GP and could not do so. South Dock was the only availability we got. Eventually we did get to see a doctor within South Dock, but that was about six hours later. Thankfully, our son is better today. Uh, but for those six hours, you keep asking yourself, what if he takes a turn for the worst or something happens. We did not want to bring him to A&E because we felt his condition was not that bad but also we were very conscious it was Saturday of a very busy bank holiday weekend and what would A&E be like on a Saturday night in our city. Uh, so William thank you for your call on that yeah, and I'm sure others will be the same. Uh, you'd be questioning what indeed any and would be like on a Saturday night in any hospital right across the country but there is certainly a, a huge issue when it comes to people looking for appointments for the for their own local GP first of all as we heard from Annie earlier in the show uh, and not only that then a weekend's it does pose a question of where do you go if you are waiting for South Dock and you don't have access to your local GP they're closed or you know they run different hours at weekends if they're lucky enough to be open at weekends anyhow lines open Bernie taking your calls 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we'll be discussing self-esteem Joe Heffernan our regular counsellor on the show he'll be along with us after 12.30 today The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Bandon Library, they are hosting an exhibition for Food Waste Awareness Week and that is going on this coming Thursday from 10am to 2pm and then in Skibbereen Library, they'll be hosting a talk on composting for all with Donald O'Leary also going ahead on this coming Thursday in Skibbereen. And a fashion show will be held in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen on this coming Friday evening at 8 o'clock. Proceeds will go to the Skibbereen Community Playground and After School Club and you can get tickets for from the play school or indeed from Salon 31 in Skibbereen. And Donnerill Active Retirement Book Club, well, they will go ahead and that will be held on this coming Saturday at 11am. There'll also be an arts and crafts going ahead there on Monday next at 2pm and their meeting will follow next Monday at 3pm. If you have something you want to include in the Cork Diary, then email the details to us, email diary at c103.ie. Cork Today on C103. 
And back to the NCT, Anne was in touch with us because her NCT is due in August. So she phoned the NCT and she got a cancellation and got it done, the NCT that is, the next day. Uh, But Anne is making the point that she should not be able to do this. It just shows uh, if there was a proper waiting list system, it would be better. Uh, And her doing this shows that the system is not working correctly, that she could just ring up, uh, they find a date and she can get the NCT done the next day, whereby others then are waiting or relying on the actual online service. So thank you, Anne, for your text regarding the NCT. And also we mentioned there before the break regarding the wait time for GPs and people who were trying to get access to their local GP and they cannot do so. And I think at this stage, the uh, day access whereby you would ring that morning for an appointment for your GP, I think that is more or less gone from what we're hearing uh, today on our WhatsApps and texts. And this is from a person who says, well, JP, I did contact my local primary health centre for my friends and uh, yes you are right we did not get an appointment on the day itself so it seems the same day appointments are gone uh, so my friend was feeling worse and we were told uh, to ring back again so the next day we rang for an appointment and we rang on the Monday and we're told that the person in the health centre would ring us back they did ring us back and they gave us an appointment for Friday however that was too late for my friend as uh, this person ended up in hospital uh, due to been waiting uh, to go and be seen by their GP. Now, first of all, hospitals are busy enough. So we're now sending somebody that could have been accessed by their GP into an already busy hospital. But are doctors just gone unrealistic and are they neglecting their patients big time? Is asking this person on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And yes, there is a huge problem within our health service regarding that. You make a good point there. First of all, if you have a situation whereby there's a local primary health centre and you can't get in there and then your friend ends up in hospital. I mean, the hospitals, we, we hear waiting lists, we hear trolley numbers most days on our news. And to think that your friends who did try their best and rang a number of times to see their local GP and because they were given an appointment four days later, uh, they ended up in hospital. You know, they're then not their fault, but there's extra pressure being put on our uh, hospitals and I presume they were taken to either CUH or the Mercy uh, who were busy enough. But if that's happening in one health centre. You'd wonder how many others across Cork and indeed across the country is that happening whereby somebody cannot physically get an appointment to see their GP, cannot go in to see their doctor and because of that they get worse, uh, their health deteriorates and they end up inside in a city hospital already which is under pressure uh, so it just shows the problems in our health service. Thank you for your WhatsApp on that and the reality of what is happening on the ground and hi to William who was in contact with us he wants to wish well-known singer Gina uh, because Gina is being honoured today in City Hall by the Lord Mayor of Cork City that of course the councillor Deirdre Ford and she's been honoured for 50 years in the music of course uh, better known as D- Gina Dale Hayes and the Champions uh, but congratulations from all her supporters and also her brother William was in touch and all her family wishing her well so well done to Gina uh, being acknowledged today uh, for 50 years in the music 
music industry in City Hall. Now, uh, Charleville Community Forum, and we've spoken with them over the last number of weeks, they're going to organise a peaceful protest that's going to go ahead on Friday, the 16th of June at the Town Plaza in Charleville. And it will happen from 5.30 to 6pm on that Friday. Now, it's going to be a family-friendly protest. There'll be no speaking, just a presence for now. And this course of action, they say, is a result from the public meeting that took place in the Charleville Park Hotel on Wednesday last. And that meeting, of course, involved those living in the town, the community, businesses and indeed public reps. So following this, our reporter Sandra Quinn went to Charleville and spoke to people who use the town on a daily basis on what the town needs, what needs to be done and the feeling in Charleville as high good vehicles have no choice but to travel through the town there's no other route and this is all due to the lack of a motorway or indeed bypass so here's the people of Charnival speaking to Sandra we've a lot of traffic on the road it's inevitable when it's the main road going from Limerick to Cork there's going to be trucks on it I'm here 20 odd years I've maybe seen 8 fatalities in that road in the 20 years they're all the same fatality it's a truck drives over a pedestrian but we have a pedestrian crossing at the lights here, we have a pedestrian crossing further up to, for, for the supermarket. Uh, Maybe there needs to be a third pedestrian crossing from the plaza over to the AIB, which is a busy thoroughfare. Would people, like nearly all the people, are knocked over right next to a pedestrian crossing? Why they aren't using them, I don't know. I've never really seen the truck drivers at fault. You know, they can't see you when you walk underneath the cabin, um, or you know, they're not speeding. They're just driving, and if you have people crossing a road and traffic are moving, all these are they're, like they're predictable. Uh, I don't know. There was talk before about doing a bypass and about diverting some of the heavy traffic down Baker's Road, but there's a secondary, there's a primary and a secondary school down there. So next, whether that's that doesn't sound like a solution either. I don't know what solutions. I mean, you could put four more pedestrian crossings across the middle of the road, and next thing you'd have traffic at a standstill on the main Limerick to Cork Road. That doesn't sound feasible neither. So I, I don't know what the solutions are. Before COVID, they had, I thought the council had a plan to put a wider crossing plaza, like, you know, maybe the width of the shop here, rather than just a, tra- a crossing light, that they would, traffic would come in and stop, and therefore people could walk like a pedestrian area. But that would slow down traffic coming through town. Um, but certainly... The more deaths on the road, like you know, the more imperative it is. There's parking be- on that side. There's parking behind the library, and on this side you have uh, Dunn Stores and you have Broad Street, which is where there's parking as well. So, like as a business owner, we want to encourage people to come into town, but we'd encourage them to cross the road safely. Uh, if I was running the world, I'd probably go for another crossing, pedestrian crossing from the plaza, straight in front. That would kind of halfway between the two existing ones. And so kind of outside the library, nearly. Kind of, yeah. I, I, the analogy I draw is if you watch kids walking to school, there's always a pedestrian way to get to the school, but they'll always end up taking the shortcut. And you can see where the shortcut is because the grass would be trampled down and the hedge would be kicked over. And I'm sure that if council fellas stood in the road for uh, a day, they'd see where people want to cross. And it's not at the traffic, it's not at the crossing spots, it's somewhere else. Maybe it's where the accidents are happening. Maybe that's where a pedestrian is. The time to do it, like there will always be uproar from the motorists because most people are just driving through town. They're not. They're not stopping and they're not from here, and they don't want to be held up. But 
I would think it's a, with these two recent deaths, it's um, time to think about putting in another pedestrian crossing. Bypass the town. There's so many lorries coming through. And can I ask you, when you're crossing, do you go up or down to use the pedestrian crossings? Oh, I use it. Some, when it's convenient, I'll use it. And if it's not, I'll, I'll, look, and I'll look right and left and then I cross. The problem is uh, not uh, traffic or you, you, uh, people should use this one this uh, the crossing yeah the crossing yeah should use it we were told as a group that there should maybe no speed ramps because okay there's a lot of trucks going up and down but also cars because when the street is some bit quiet cars zoom up and down and you know it's a country town at the end of the day and people are used to just crossing over the street but it's not good enough it's not good enough it really hits home when it's two fatalities in two weeks of two similarly aged people. In the same spot. Like, how can you get your head around that? It's just devastating for everybody here, like families, business people, everybody. Devastating. And when you come to Turnville, do you use the pedestrian crossings yourself? Oh, I would, yes. I was there now a while ago, and I was coming across here, and God love us, sitting there, a girl brought me across the road. She was so kind for, you know. Oh, I would use the pedestrian crossing. Oh, I, I would, yes. Unless they had more pedestrian crossings, maybe. I don't know. And do you think that's it, that for somebody who's in town for a bit of shopping, because the pedestrian crossings, it's fair to say, are sort of, they're kind of at opposite ends of the town. Um, so if there was one in the middle, do you think that would make people, if there was one here, say? Yes, one around here. Cause the, there's a bus stop here. And people have the bus if they want to cross the street. Until they actually organise something properly. But talking about it, that's going to happen in 10 years, 10 years. That's a good idea, actually. A temporary one. Just something temporary. And something immediate is so necessary. The light doesn't change fast enough in the one up there. That's what we were saying. And people think they need to go. And a car slows down, you think you're going to go. But then the other car doesn't. And that's why they don't go up there to say because... Yeah. A lot of people praise the one outside, Frank and Honest. Make the other one instant as well. That's a good point. And while, while they're at it, put a pedestrian crossing up outside St Anne's. There's going to be an accident there. That's our reporter Sandra Quinn speaking to a number of people who live, use and work in Charnival and are crossing the main street on a daily basis ahead of a peaceful protest that will take place on Friday the 16th of June in the town plaza of the main street in Charnival from 5.30 to 6pm and that of course is the result of a number of meetings the most recent one last Wednesday in the Charnival Park Hotel on what could be done to make the town safer for all, for drivers and indeed for pedestrians and I'm sure we'll have more on that near the time of that peaceful protest. We spoke there regarding how hard it is now to access your own GP. Well, Mossy's making the point on WhatsApp that while we are talking about busy doctors and surgeries, he says that there are alternatives to GPs and they can be as good. He has tried it, it's worked for him, but also we can't be relying on GPs for everything. Maybe that's why uh, they are so busy. Maybe we need to look first if we can do something ourselves before going to a GP. And that's not for all those who rang up this morning. Now, they were serious enough but if it's not that serious do we need to look at other measures I suppose Mossy's making the point and Noreen in Bantir regarding the NCT 
Well, she rang the NCT on the 8th of May uh, because her NCT was due on the 2nd of May and she got an appointment for the 29th of May. So she was only waiting three weeks and this was for the Blarney Centre. So it does seem while there is a, a delay in the NCT and there is problems if you ring them, as many of our callers this morning have done, you do get a date certainly around the time of when your NCT is due but that's I mean an example there from Noreen 29th of May that was three weeks after uh, when hers was due so and it, hopefully you passed Noreen and everything went well for you uh, so maybe ringing them if you are in a situation whereby your NCT is out and you're looking uh, or checking the online for a, a date to go along to one of the centres in Cork maybe give them a ring maybe that could be an alternative even though the Minister of State for Transport Jack Chambers unhappy with the way Apple's are running the NCT centre I'm sure that will continue you want for another few weeks. Anyhow, uh, lines open. Bernie taking your calls at 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. And our regular show, Councillor Joe Heffernan joins us as he does every Tuesday. Hello to Joe. Hi, JP. And hope you're keeping well. You were, I know you had a cold last week. How did the cold disappear? Are you still suffering from it? <laughs> there oh, we go. There it's we are. Off. Um, <laughs> That's the uh, answer. Hanging in there. Um, yeah, yeah. It turned out I had an oral infection, and um, the uh, the GP put me on an antibiotic, and uh, I'm halfway through that. So uh, I'm both feeling a little bit better and optimistic that I will feel back to health again very soon. Well, that's good. And uh, speaking of being optimistic, we're going to discuss self-esteem today, Joe. Mm. And already a number of texts in, they're asking, Hi, Joe, self-confidence and self-esteem, are they the same thing? And would you describe, I suppose, more or less they are? I think more or less, yes. Yes, indeed. Um, But a lot of people think that self-esteem sort of falls out of the sky or um, you kind of you're lucky to have it or you're unlucky not to have it or something like that. But in fact, there are five building blocks of self-esteem. I mean, it is um, identifiable in the sense that there are five building blocks. And the first one of them, I suppose it makes complete sense, would be a sense of security. Now, like, how safe do I feel? Um, when we were going to the national school, you know, did I feel okay at the secondary school um, as an adult? Um, uh, you know, safety in my home, in my community, uh, in my job, uh, in maybe I'm studying in college. Um, and finances, of course, come into it too. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we can or cannot do um, uh, due to financial burden, which in the present day and age is has come floating right up to the top, I suppose, really. Um, people are finding things tough. Younger people, um, uh, by that now I could even mean people, you know, say 25 to 35. Um, life is not easy. Um, you know, uh, it's tough going. And, um, yeah, especially for that age group, if they're renting, they're finding it tough to pay their oh, rent every month. And then you yeah. have maybe an older cohort who are uh, trying to deal with mortgages and rates going yeah. up. And we discussed mortgage arrears earlier on the show. So, yeah, there is a feel, I suppose, yeah. if you're not secure in your own home or maybe in the job you're in, you might be afraid that you could, things could change in the future. It all does impact. Absolutely. So a sense of security. 
Now, the second one then would be a sense of identity. That would be like, who am I? Um, you know, we hear in business a lot about um, a SWOT in analysis. S-W-O-T. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So, what are my strengths? Um, you know, it could be um, uh, I'm kind, uh, I'm intelligent, I'm, um, uh, you know, uh, with the previous one, I feel secure, <coughs> etc. So that, like, um, my sense of identity, um, how do I see myself? Um, am I seeing myself as, like, um, uh, would my strengths outweigh my weaknesses? And um, a lot of people, if they start to write down about um, strengths and weaknesses, um, tend to be very hard on themselves. And maybe the uh, the line with the weaknesses would appear to be a little bit longer than the strengths. And I think that needs to be definitely looked at a second time. We need to recognise the, the 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 good the goodness of ourselves. You know. And what needs to change, I suppose, if you are doing a list, if you feel there is a change that is needed, which one do you change? Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, if there's something that I've been meaning to do with a long time, but I've been procrastinating, um, uh, or I've just been playing lazy about it, um, well, maybe I need to just do the first step. Uh, that could be an email, it could be a phone call, um, it could be any little thing. But without the first step, there won't be a second step. So that kind of, um, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses, a sense of identity. And then we all need, I think, a sense of belonging. Um, you know, I belong in my family, I hope. I belong in my home. I belong in my community. I belong in the school or college that I'm attending. Um, uh, you know, I, I belong in my job. Um, that kind of a sense of belonging, a sense of that there are people that I could pick up the phone to and say, hi, the weather is good, how are you doing? Um, you know, it needn't be something very um, deep or dramatic, but um, a kind of a sense of belonging um, uh, with other people. And a kind of trust in there as well, whether that be in the workplace or in the school or in the community you live in, uh, that, that you, you know you can rely on people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't it lovely to think that um, if I was in trouble, um, I could pick up the phone to A or B or C, and um, and that I would uh, uh, encounter a listening ear, and very possibly possibly um, you know um, uh, help in 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 whatever area uh, the help would be w- would be needed. Absolutely, JP couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, and in a community situation, because we we hear this in in the show a lot, I suppose, uh, from people who may be new to a community or others feel by maybe not part of a community. It's very important to uh, to be able to reach out in a housing estate or in a, a local village or town or or wherever that help is there, and that can be said for school and college as well. I mean, there's a lot of issues in schools today that maybe were not there were there in some capacity ten or twenty years ago, but are different uh, today than they would have been ten or twenty years ago. 
absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, with, with all this thing with social media and yeah. all of that, mm. um, younger people can feel peculiarly and paradoxically, they can feel quite um, isolated in the midst of all the, um, the chatter online. So, yeah, it's so important to feel that one belongs. Um, that often comes up if I talk to younger people about belonging to the group, you know? Mm, and I suppose it brings us nicely on to the next uh, point because if you're looking to be belong somewhere, you also feel that there has to be some sense of purpose, I suppose, in your life or in what you do. Yeah, yeah. What do I want in my life? Um, you know, um, especially what do I need in my life and, and how do I go about um, uh, about that? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so there's, um, uh, in fact, next week now we might uh, get into goal setting, which would be, and then a sense of purpose. Yeah, that's the fourth one. Um, um, what do I want in my life? What And more importantly, uh, what do I need in my life? And and if I am to achieve that, what do I need to do? Which is very reminiscent of the other one that we just mentioned. Um, you know, what's my first step? And it needn't be an almighty big thing like um, moving to Canada. It might be making a phone call to a friend um, or, or, you know, it might be opening up to a family member about something that is troubling one. But um, that would be, you know, a sense of purpose, a sense of getting something done that I really want and need to be done. And then uh, the last one, then the fifth one, is a sense of competence. If you remember, and indeed you do, Barack Obama being here um, many years ago, and there was um, uh, the, that slogan he had, uh, and it was, um, is fairling. Um We are able, we can. Um, and, and if I'm a person who has more I can in my life than I can't, well, then I'm getting there. Um, so that I feel able to achieve uh, these uh, goals that I would have in my sense of purpose. So that's very important. And there was a study done some years ago, and I think it's very, very important for parents to hear us, especially. Um, it was a study by a person called Stanley Go- Coppersmith, and it, it was called The Antecedents of Self-Esteem. And uh, the, the whole idea was like, what fosters self-esteem in a child? And amazingly, a lot of us would have mentioned the things which it, which it actually is not. It's not related to family wealth. It's not related to education. It's not um, uh, uh, related to where we live. Or um, my dad's or mam's occupation or indeed always having mother at home. It's not dependent on those. But there were four conditions, according to this study, which promoted um, self-esteem in a child. And there were, one, the child experiences full acceptance of thoughts, feelings, and the value of their being. The second one was, 
The child operates in a context of clearly defined and enforced limits that are fair, non-oppressive and negotiable. But the child is not given unrestricted freedom. I suppose in a way, if a child is allowed to do whatever they want, that's a form of abandonment too, maybe. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Number three, the child experiences respect for their dignity as a human being. And the fourth one, the parents themselves tend to enjoy a high level of self-esteem. So um, all the other things that we might have related to or think, and um, this is what promotes self-esteem in our child. Um, so it's it's pretty, uh, you know, surprising, uh, you know. Yeah, and, and in a way, while it is surprising, it's when you read it out there, it's it's not over surprising either that it's kind of the basics and back to basics for a lot of that when it comes to parenting. Uh, so the child is confident enough, I suppose, when they go to the next stage of their lives and overall then for the, the adults, I mean, what you've outlined there on, on the building blocks, more or less, uh, to mm. create that self-esteem that will give you that boost then as well to go on and be a better parent or be a better person in the workplace so it all I suppose goes around in, in a circle but in a good way Joe as well uh, to create some mm. positivity for that uh, good good words there Joe on that and a lot of interest on self-esteem I think the goals you spoke about there we should uh, definitely touch on that next week but for the moment uh, thanks for joining us and enjoy your week Joe Thank you JP and look after the cold same to you and all at C103 Take care Joe Heffernan there joining us as usual on a Tuesday he's our regular show counsellor you can contact Joe on 086-834-8145 Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon and Patricia Messenger is back tomorrow morning with Cork Today from 10am